I'm Chris Jamison with the Jamison Ranch in Coleman, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We're always glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, work is going on in the state legislature right now to protect farmers and ranchers' right to farm. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Looking at the budget situation for farmers, there's some good news and some bad news on the expense side of the ledger. I'm James Hunt and we'll bring you a Texas High Plains farmer's perspective on Texas Ag Today. Bringing relief to the family farm is one of the goals of Florida Congresswoman Kat Kamek as she sits on the House Agriculture Committee. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have comments from the Florida representative who was in Texas recently for a farm bill listening session. That story ahead on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas House Committee on Agriculture and Livestock heard a resolution on Wednesday to add a constitutional protection for Texas farmers and ranchers' right to farm. Texas Farm Bureau President and South Texas farmer Russell Baining farms just 35 miles from downtown San Antonio. He says urban encroachment is happening all over the state. Well, I think, guys, uh, we know our state is changing dramatically over the past few years and going to continue changing we have some jurisdictions, counties and cities, that uh, we believe are making unwarranted, unnecessary regulations on farms and ranches. You know, and we have some protections in statute, but those can be changed in the future. So we're looking to put this in the Constitution for some permanent protections against just what we call uh, generally accepted farming and ranching practices. Farmer James Lockridge testified in favor of the resolution. For the last five years, I have lost over $500,000 in crops due to the fact of these cities' overreach with their nuisance of high grass and weeds, what is or is not a crop, code compliance officers not understanding what agricultural is, and nobody in the state is holding these cities accountable for these nuisance laws that they keep passing. So what I would like to see happen is this law passed, bring these cities back in, get it to where the farmers and ranchers, whether they're in the ETJ or the city limits, or they border up next to the city limits, try to stop this overreach. If the resolution makes it through the legislative process, Texas voters will get to decide if it's added to the Constitution. 
We see a slight improvement in this week's Texas wheat crop ratings. The latest Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report shows 23% of the wheat crop in good to excellent condition, 33% fair, and 44% poor to very poor. That's down from 50% last week. Hagen Hunt grows wheat in the Plainview area of the Texas Panhandle. It's been tough. It's been really tough. Um, we did have one really decent snow. It really helped. But right now, the only moisture that wheat's getting is from irrigation systems, and it's really been a tough winter on wheat. And the drought isn't the only problem he's having. That nonstop panhandle wind has taken a big toll this year. The wind has been absolutely terrible. The wind has been really hard on the wheat. You know the sand blowing across the top, it's burning the leaves. And another thing is we've had cattle turned out on wheat, and them cattle, you know, it's kind of a tough deal when they've got to stand there and breathe that dirt all afternoon. Um, it's, not, it's not real good for the cattle or the wheat. Hunt says he's leaning more towards sorghum instead of corn this year because there just isn't enough moisture in the soil profile to grow a corn crop. There's some good news and some bad news when it comes to the cost of growing a crop. James Hunt looks at the economic situation as we start the 2023 growing season. In this report, we're going back to my conversation with Greg Glover. He's a farmer who grows crops in various locations in the western Texas panhandle. And as he prepares for the upcoming season, one thing Glover is encouraged by is where things stand with inputs. Things are at least a little better than where they were a year ago. Fertilizer, you know, I think surprisingly there's just enough that's made it to the U.S., it has come down some. It's not like it was two years ago, but it's not the eight or nine hundred dollars a ton that we were seeing not that long ago. So that's been nice, and it's been nice to hear some of the chemicals that we use have gone down. They're the same way. They're not where they were in you know 2020, but they have come down off their highs. But on the not-so-good side, with the moves made by the Federal Reserve over the past year, Greg Glover finds himself facing the highest operating interest rate of his career. I'm in my mid-30s, so we've kind of been blessed or spoiled, however you want to say it, with these low interest rates. As we talked about yesterday, Glover is doing some serious strategizing on how to get his water to last him through the summer season. But it's not just his crops he's hoping to get some rain for. Glover also raises cattle, and he wants to avoid doing any more herd reduction like he's had to do in the past couple years. We have kind of leveled off. We're pretty comfortable where we are. You know, if we get into May, early June, and it really hadn't rained, and some of our grass spaces had greened up, there'll be a few more cows that we'll need to trim. But we have started calving, so we want to get them all calved, and maybe it'll start. Raining. If, if we can get some rain, we'll have enough grass to run our cows, you know, that we're comfortable with all summer. Once again, that's Texas Panhandle producer Greg Glover. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Members of Congress were in Texas last week to hear input on the 2023 Farm Bill. Tom Nicoletti visits with a congresswoman from Florida. My guest today is Congresswoman Kat Kamak. Uh, she represents Florida and she is one of the members of the House Agriculture Committee that uh, visited Texas recently for a uh, listening session about the 2023 Farm Bill. And uh, our representative, certainly uh, you heard a lot of different opinions and uh, testimony from people uh, before your listening session. Uh, summarize for us uh, what you heard and why it's important, obviously, uh, for the input 
on the 2023 Farm Bill? Well, I think uh, collectively we heard really a balance of the nutritional, the EBT SNAP side, the needs and wants there, as well as the food production side of things. The thing that you hear across the board is the impacts that inflation has had on our producers. Those rising input costs have a direct impact on their operation, their livelihood, and what people fail to realize broadly is that so much of what our producers do, it is locked in, it's it's market-based. They don't get the opportunity to pass those costs on to a consumer. Even though you may see an increase in price at the grocery store, that extra money is not landing in your farmer's pocket. That is as a, as a result of the transportation, the, the fuel costs, et cetera. So your producers in agriculture in America are absorbing a lot of the costs that they're seeing as a result of fertilizer concerns, input costs going up, diesel, labor, you name it. And so we really have to be cognizant of that. We have to figure out ways to bring some relief for the family farm today. This is a national security concern. And agriculture, you can't flip on and off with a switch. It is something that has to be an investment, a long-term investment. And so if you have a particularly bad year, whether that is through an act of God or through things that are out of your control, you need to have that assurance that you'll be able to have another season ahead of you because you've made the investment in the equipment, in the land, in the the technology, all the inputs that go into that. And so when you think about what all is entailed with the crop insurance and and all the food program, price support programs, et cetera, you think about 82% of the farm bill is nutritional. That's EBT, it's SNAP. 6% of it is conservation. Now, you look at what's left, it's not a whole heck of a lot. And it's that little chunk that is feeding America and the world. So we have to do our very level best to have a fair playing field. We have to really establish that government should not pick winners and losers, but we create a system by which we can facilitate fairness and really give that certainty that you need as a small time, even medium-sized producer, that you will be able to survive or sustain beyond a potentially bad crop year. That is U.S. Representative Kat Kamek, who represents the 3rd Congressional District of Florida and sits on the House Agriculture Committee. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A highly contagious rabbit disease that is nearly always fatal continues to spread. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And feeding alfalfa has been shown to decrease gastric ulcers in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Feeding alfalfa has been shown to decrease gastric ulcers in horses. 
But Dr. Bob Judd says the form of alfalfa you feed can make a difference. Dr. Claire Thunes indicates in the horse publication that alfalfa is high in calcium, which reduces stomach acidity. The high calcium decreases the amount of acid in the stomach due to its buffering capacity. In a study at Texas A&M, 12 horses were assigned to one of two groups. One group was fed Bermuda grass hay plus a concentrate, and the other was fed alfalfa hay and a concentrate feed for 28 days, and then the horses were switched after a 21-day washout period. Prior to the study, horses had their stomachs scoped to determine if any stomach ulcers were present and were scoped again after the 28-day treatment period. The researchers found that ulcer severity scores were much lower when horses were fed alfalfa compared to Bermuda grass. Feeding alfalfa prevented ulcer formation in 11 of the 12 horses, while only three of the 12 horses eating Bermuda did not have ulcers. The researchers believe this is due to high calcium and increased protein in alfalfa. As far as the best form of alfalfa to prevent ulcers, long-stem hay requires more chewing, which increases saliva and increases buffering. Also, the long-stem hay provides a better mat in the stomach to protect the sensitive tissue from gastric acid. The calcium and alfalfa pellets might buffer more quickly than hay, due to the smaller particle size, but these smaller particles may move out of the stomach quicker than larger particles. So if you're riding your horse on an empty stomach, alfalfa pellets are likely going to prevent more ulcers, although you will not get a mat like with hay. If you arrive in time to feed your horse hay before riding, hay is likely the best choice to prevent gastric ulcers. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A highly contagious rabbit disease continues to spread. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. A highly contagious disease that leads to the death of both wild and domestic rabbits continues to spread. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, Rabbit Hemorrhagic Disease Virus 2 or RHDV2, has been confirmed in Bosque and Ector counties. The department is also investigating a potential case in Mason County. The virus has been found in El Paso, Brewster, Terrell, Gillespie, Reeves, Mills, Pecos, and Ector counties. The case in Bosque County is the ninth confirmed case in Texas and the most easterly. In that county, carcasses of two wild jackrabbits were found and sent for testing in early March. TPWD reports that the counties where RHDV2 has already been reported continue to see rabbit mortalities as a result of the disease. RHDV2 is nearly always fatal. It affects both wild and domestic rabbits of all ages. Clinical signs of the disease are dullness and apathy, not eating, bleeding from the nose and eyes, or watery congested eyes. Most rabbits that are found with the disease are already deceased. TPWD encourages people who notice sick or dead wild rabbits to contact a local TPWD wildlife biologist. A list of those is available on the TPWD website. RHDV2 is not known to affect humans, livestock, or pets. However, pets should not be allowed to consume dead animal carcasses. Rabbit owners are encouraged to protect their rabbits by increasing biosecurity on their farms and in their homes. Biosecurity tips are available on the Texas Animal Health Commission website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
A mixed close in Thursday's cattle trade, while cotton finished lower. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures traded mixed on Wednesday. We ended up closing lower on live cattle mixed on the feeders. April live cattle dropped 15 cents, 162.15. The June down 10, 155.80, while August dropped 27 cents at 155.70. Feeders were higher on the nearby contracts, lower on the deferreds. March feeder cattle up 77 at 189.02. April up 62 cents, 195 even, with May feeders down 17, 198.60. Cash fed cattle market seeing cattle sell here in the south this week for 163. That's a buck lower than last week. Up north, dress cattle traded for 264 to 265. That's steady to a buck higher. Boxed beef prices mixed Thursday. Choice up $1.95 at 283.25. Select down 32 cents, 269.50. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. This is Doug Bass from Cattleman's of Brenham. Doug, how did the sale go? Quite a good sale, Mr. Larry. Didn't have many cattle and had really finally got some good rain. We've been needing, we didn't have a 420 head of cattle, but thanks to good Lord for the rain we got that day. And uh, we had a heck of a good market. Good. Walk the pens with us, Doug. Yes, sir. On your way in cows, thinner, lower yielding cows, 53 to 69, medium flesh cows, 70 to 82, better high yielding cows, 85 to a dollar three. Weighing bulls, lower yielding bulls, ninety-eight to a dollar three. Better high yielding bulls, a dollar ten to a dollar twenty-five. A few pairs, pairs bringing more from fourteen hundred to sixteen seventy-five, and a few medium-type bred cows bring a thousand to twelve fifty. Uh, Kevin Hart, sure good. You know, that two to three weight steers, one seventy-five to two seventy. Heifers, one sixty-five to two thirty-two. Three to four weight steers, one seventy to two sixty-five. Heifers, one sixty to two thirty-four. Four to five weight steers, 165 to 262. Heifers, 150 to 230. Five to six weight steers, 150 to 226. Heifers, 140 to 213. Six to seven weight steers, 145 to 213. Heifers, 135 to 182. And seven to eight weight steers, 130 to 174. Heifers, 130 to 170. And your 800 to 1,000 pound steers of bull yards bring 110 to 186. And the half rats bring 125 to 165. Sounds like you had a good sale. How is your uh, sale for uh, 
Columbus. Oh, we got about uh, 400 in last night. So we had really nasty weather yesterday, a bunch of drizzle, which we'll take everything good of it. And uh, But I think we'll have probably somewhere between seven and 800 today. Sounds good. Doug Bass, tell everybody how to contact. Yes, sir. Y'all can call me on my cell, 979-877-4454. Or call Sheriff Brenham office, 979-836-3621. Well, neighbor, there's your livestock auction report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where Lean Hogs finished mixed. The nearby April down 32 cents, 75.75. May Hogs were up 10 at 83.35. Class 3 milk finished higher. March milk up 6 cents, 18.10 a hundredweight. April milk up 35 at 19.71 a hundred. The cotton market finished lower despite a decent weekly export sales report released Thursday morning. The overall economy fears continue to keep a lid on cotton prices. May cotton finishing 70 points lower, 77.58. New crop December cotton down 55 at 79.26. We had a good-looking export sales report for corn. Of course, we've seen China in the corn market for the last two weeks. USDA even announced another sale of 4.5 million bushels of corn to China on Thursday. Last week's export sales total, 121.9 million bushels. That's the highest corn export sales we've seen since September of 2021. But that was still not enough to hold corn prices up. May corn finishing one and three quarters lower, 631 and three quarters. New crop September corn down one and three quarters at 560 a bushel. Wheat markets were mixed, hard wheat higher, soft wheat lower. July Kansas City wheat up seven and a quarter, eight oh six and a half. July Chicago wheat down three quarters, six seventy four a bushel. In the energy markets Thursday, April natural gas was down two cents at two fifteen. May West Texas crude down a dollar seventeen at sixty nine seventy three a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 52 points, 31,977. The Nasdaq up 71 at 11,741. The S&P down a point at 3,935. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.